0: It's me. Well, good evening folks, I'm glad you're here tonight. We're going to take our Bibles. We're going to turn to First Kings 18, as was read this evening. Hopefully this will help you, encourage you, bless you tonight. First Kings 18 is one of those passages I really, really enjoy. It's a, it's a very vivid picture when you read through it. It goes through, it explains what's actually happening, and it uh, shows some great power of God. And tonight I'm just going to, as we go through that, I'm going to hopefully bring out just some simple truths that I see in there, uh, and it's encouragement to me about God, and I hope it is for you as well. Why don't we pray this evening, and ask God to help me, and ask God to help you to hear. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Word of God, thank you for the opportunity to stand before this church to preach, I pray that you would please help me as I uh, go through these things, and as as I speak, I pray that you would use me as as a... Mouthpiece that you would bring forth your message, and I pray for each one that they would be able to hear and be willing to listen and then apply or be challenged in, in whichever way that you um, do tonight. For each person, we give you praise and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Have you ever wondered what it would be like to experience real power? Real power. Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway thought he experienced real power when he. Uh, after being stranded for a, uh, for a period of time, finally made fire. And uh, he, he, he expresses how uh, he created fire out of nothing. He thought that was real, real power. I've experienced real power before. When I, when I was 20, I lived in a little caravan in Casino. And one day, my little caravan, it was just a very small one. The light switch wouldn't switch on. And I thought, hmm, I'm young. I can work this out. So I get my, my little tool set out and I managed to get the, the switch off the wall and with my screwdriver I went I wonder what happens in here and I hadn't switched the power off and uh, my hand exploded and I flew across the caravan and I experienced real power that day <laughs> and the caravan park experienced real power because I blew up the, the transformer thing when my caravan was plugged into. Experiencing real power, I may not have been here today but Lord gave me a shocking experience. I'll, I'll say that. All right. Storms and the elements have always had a fascination to me of, of great power. Think about cyclones and floods, and, and, and when things happen around the world, although there may be tragedy to see those things, there's great force and power behind them. Our world seems to have, a, a, I guess, their own set of values on how they describe how, how, how power is, and, and they may consider powerful to be maybe countries with the biggest weapons or, or the biggest armies. That's what they consider as great power. Maybe those in authority, um, uh, for example, um, well, I've got a mental block. Mr. Come over me. In. Um, Donald, Trump. D- Donald Trump. Why did I not think of that? But Donald Trump, people consider him as powerful because, sorry, because of his position. Those who may be on the screen or on the stage are considered as as those people with great power. Men who have have great wealth are often uh, 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 thought as men with great influence and power. But when I trusted Jesus Christ as my saviour, I found somebody who had real power, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, I see a great picture of power displayed from God to those that that were around. We've already read the passage, so I'm not going to reread it, but I'm going to maybe just paraphrase it a little bit to kind of get you to understand. Elijah was sent by God to try and stir up the the, the belief of the people of Israel and also King Ahab. He had set up um, Baal worship and he had set the people's mind away from God towards serving Baal. And God, in his wisdom, thought, I, this is not good it goes against one of my commandments that so we can't have any other gods before me so he gets elijah and he encourages him to gather 450 prophets of baal to meet and uh, along with the people of israel to meet at mount carmel and then we're going to have a bit of a a bit of a i guess a god off or a god worship off see who is the greatest god and so the people gather together and and elijah goes through this motion and he and, and he tells the prophets of Baal, he says, we're going we're gonna to build an altar, each of us, and we're going to put our sacrifice on it, and we're going to see whose God it is that can burn this sacrifice without any fire under it. And whoever answers, whoever actually does that, we will all agree that they're the true God. They're going to be the God that has the great power. And the prophets of Baal thought, well, well that's, that sounds fair enough. We know our God's pretty good, and, and we serve a... A great god, we serve idols, and and I'm I'm sure they've always helped us. And Elijah allows them to go first. So the prophets of Baal they get their altar ready, they chop up their animal, they put wood under it, and they put their animal on the fire. Uh, sorry, on the uh, on the altar, and then they go about trying to call their god to bring fire down on there. I like the description. If you turn with me. In uh, verse uh, verse 26, it says, They took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, Baal, hear us. Baal, hear us. Baal, we need you to bring fire down on this sacrifice. Baal, Baal, hear us. The notice, but there was no voice. Baal didn't answer. And then not only did they call up, but then it says, They leaped upon the altar. They started to dance upon the altar, which was made. I don't know if they did Irish dancing or what, or or moonwalked on there. I I don't know, but they were getting excited. They were trying to conjure up something from their god because they thought this was a way to get great power. And they did this from morning until noon. And I really, really like verse twenty-seven. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, "Cry aloud!" So well, he is a god. He's really a god, isn't he? And then it was like he says either hey he's talking or he's pursuing or in a journey and I can even imagine Elijah going <laughs> or even he's asleep and he must be awake. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves. So notice they started calling and then there was no answer they started dancing and then they were mocked by Elijah and then they started to cut themselves. They were really intense. They said, obviously, in their mind, they're thinking, Our God can do this. And they started to cut themselves until the blood gushed out. Man, these guys were intense. These guys were dedicated to what they believed and who they thought could help them, who they thought had great power. And it came to pass in verse 29 when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering, uh, offering of the evening sacrifice. There was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. So here's a group of people thought the God that they served had great power and yet after pretty much a whole day of their chanting, their dancing, their cutting, their calling, their worship to this God, nothing happened. And then in the passage it, it starts to change from the prophets of Baal to now Elijah And Elijah sets up his altar, he uses 12 stones, and he puts wood underneath, and the Bible says he digs a trench around, and he sets, he cuts up his animal, he sets it onto the altar, and he tells the people that we're going to get, I think it was four, four barrels of water, let me see where it is, Um, uh, yes, verse 33, put the wood in, in order, and cut the bullocks in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, fill four barrels with water. And what they're going to do with these four barrels of water is they're going to pour it all over the the animal, all over the altar, all over the wood, and fill the trench around the altar with this water. And the guy's probably thinking, hang on, if you're going to put water on there, how's the thing going to burn? And maybe the prophets of Baal are now starting to scoff a little bit, and they're all thinking, this guy's crazy. How is this sacrifice going to burn? He says, not only do it once, but let's do it a second time. So they filled four barrels of water and they put it all over, over, the, over the animal, all over the altar, all over the wood, and around the trench. He said, Let's not do it two, let's do it three times. And the only thing in this guy is mad, he's lost it. But they go through the whole process again, a third time. And then as we get to verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, There was no dancing. There was no cutting. There was no calling out. He just said, Lord God, of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things of thy word. So God's told him, this is what I want you to do, even though he's probably thinking, okay, we'll do what you said. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. In verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Man, this is powerful water, I'm oh, sorry, powerful fire. Not only did it make things alight, but it started to, not, not only did it burn the animal, but the sticks, the stones, the dust and consumed all the water that was in the trench. Mate, that's powerful. That's God's power. Verse thirty-nine. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, "The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God." And Elijah said unto them, "Take the prophets of Baal; let not one of them escape." And they took them. Elijah brought them down to the to the brook Kishon, and slew them there. What a great story of God's power! We have one people who think they know a God, who think. Their God is real and powerful and then you have the God of heaven who at the word of Elijah, because God told him to, consumed that wet, soaked, (coughs) drenched sacrifice and everything around it. Showed God's power and God did something with that. Now what I want to do tonight, I want to just mention four things for you about this passage that I see that show and prove God's power. We understand what's happened. It shows God's power, but there's more we can actually learn from it. And I'll be as quick as I can tonight, and it will be out here in about 20, 25 minutes. Number one, God has power over the impossible. God has power over the impossible. There's a verse in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, that tells us, it's a very short verse. I'll read it for you. Luke 1, verse 37. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. God had power over the physical things in this story, over the physical things. When I mention the physical things, I will talk about the actual sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, everything that was involved, the water, everything that was there, God had power over those things. To those that were around, when Elijah was setting that up and doing that, they were thinking, this is impossible. I'm sure of it. I'm sure they thought, man, if our God couldn't do it and we were calling and we were dancing and we were cutting and we were chanting and we were doing all these different things, how is Elijah's God going to do what he wants him to do? He's wedding the sacrifice. This guy's insane. But God has power over the impossible. And I want to encourage you that the very God of heaven has power over the impossible things in your life. Because we serve the God who has power over the physical things around us. He's the one that created the world. He's the one that said, let there be light, and there was light. He was the one that set the, the, on the seasons and time in motion. He's the creator of the universe out of nothing. That's great power. That's God who has power over the impossible. What things are going on in your life tonight that are seemingly impossible for you? What is it that is weighing you down? What is it that you're fearful of? What is it that you just can't understand? You need to understand that the very God of heaven is the same God here in the book of 1 Kings that you serve as well. God has power over the impossible. God had power um, back in Noah's time to cover the world. God made a decision to, to cleanse the earth of its sin and, and of its people and leave Noah there, the same God. In the New Testament, it was Jesus who had power over the wind and the, and the waves all throughout the Gospels. When there were storms, when Jesus was in the boat and a storm came up, Jesus was asked to come, the storm, and he just spoke. And he had power over the physical things, over the physical elements. Jesus had power over those who were sick, and diseased. When they were, uh, when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, Jesus went about healing those that were sick. They would bring them to him and he would touch them and he would heal them. People would just stop and touch his garment and they were healed. People would just want to get near him to hear what he had to say because there might be something that he could do to change their life. And Jesus and God, who's the same, has power over the impossible. The wood, you would think, would be needed. The, the sacrifice was needed. The stones were there to hold it all together. Notice the water that puzzles me. That seemed to put the impossibility to it. To call down fire from heaven anyway it seems impossible, but to drench it just kind of showed, proved God is really who he is. And I want to encourage you tonight, no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it seems, no matter how challenging it seems, we have a God who is, has power over the impossible. When we look back through our life, I'm sure you can think of times when God's helped you, God's kept you from safe and harm, God's been there for you, God's done those things that we now look back and we go, I can actually see God's hand of working over the impossible things in my life. So that's number one. Number two, God has power over the invisible. Ooh, the invisible things. What I mean by this is that, why did God do this? Why did God set up this, this challenge, this cook-off, if you want to call it, this flame-off, whatever you want to call it, why did God do this? For those that are around, they were just like, it was, okay, it's just a challenge. And Maybe, I don't know if Elijah understood it all, but he was following what God wanted. But God seemed to be working. Why was it on Mount Carmel? Why was there 450 prophets? Why there was only one prophet of God? Why did all these things come to pass? It's because God was working in the invisible area. He was working in the things that we just can't see, is what I'm trying to say. God had it all planned out, what was supposed to happen for a particular purpose. God didn't didn't want to just have this this, um, cook-off because I want to show that I'm better than the other gods. The whole purpose was that the people's heart would be changed back towards God. It wasn't just to to boast that, hey, I'm God, and hey I'm better than everyone else, and I am really powerful. It was that there was a reason for it to make a change. The people were doing wrong... And Elijah was told what to do when he's probably thinking, I don't understand, but at your word, God, I'll, I'll do these things. Did you know that God is ever working in the invisible areas of your life to do something in your life, to get you to a point to make you different, get you to a point to work, to work through a few things? A classic example is when you think back of Joseph's life, all the bad things that happened to him, With his brothers being sold into slavery, being put in prison, going through certain things. When you you go through the story, God purposed, God allowed those things for for the end result. That when there was famine, Israel could be fed because Joseph was in a place looking over things. And even Joseph himself said that his brothers meant those things for evil but God meant it for good. God was working even through the horrible things that Joseph had to go through to get a result at the end. And God has power over the invisible things. When things are not going well for you or or, or there are things that are challenging in your life, understand that God has power over that. And God may be allowing those things to get you to a point, just like the people in our story, that they'll understand that they're, Worship of Baal is wrong. They're on the wrong path. Somehow through Ahab they've started to, to follow the wrong path. It seems a very dramatic way to do that, but that was God's choice. God was working through that. You need to understand God has power over the invisible, the things of this world. I like in the Gospels when... Um, let's, let's have a look in Luke chapter 8. There's, there's another story that I, that I really like, where God has power over the invisible things, things that we can't control. Luke 8, we'll have a look in verse 26. Bob says, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, they met him out of the... Uh, there met him out of the city a certain man which had, which had devils long time. And he wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. He's a madman, naked, didn't live in house, he lived in the tombs where the, or, or the cemetery. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. He had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. So here's this man, he, he's, uh, he's been naked, he lives amongst the tombs. Often he's been, people have tried to help him chain him so he wouldn't hurt himself, and he breaks chains. He's uncontrollable. In verse 30 And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? He's talking to the devil now, to, uh, to the devils that are inside him. And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there were a there herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. And then went the devils out of the man, entered into the swine, and they ran, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. I like this passage because it shows that Jesus had power and control over the invisible things, the things that were inside the man, the things that really he had no control of. And we have no control over devils, but the God that we serve does. And you need to understand that when when the things that are going through your life, God has control over those invisible things to help you get to the place where he wants you to be, to get to the place where you'll learn, get to the place where you'll understand, get to the place to be different from what you are now, to be what God wants you to be like. God has power over the invisible things of this world. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20 and verse 22, God has power as far as invisible things over the affairs of men. Daniel chapter 2. That just comes after chapter 1. Verses 20 and 22. 22. The Bible says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. It's God who controls and has power over the invisible things, over the affairs of men. If God brings up kings and removes kings, he has control over your life no matter what. So I would encourage you with the things that you go through, learn to trust God because he has power of it. He can change circumstances. He can change people's lives. Nebuchadnezzar was a man that his life was changed because God made it change. All throughout history, you see, as we read through the Bible, we, because we have um, hindsight, we can see what God was doing and how God moved and, uh, and, and changed things and, and ordered people's lives to get where they wanted to be because God has power over the invisible. The third thing is that God has power over the, over the immediate. What I mean by this is in 1 Kings 18, there was something that needed to happen there and then and Elijah had to learn to trust God there and then. It was a situation God wanted him to be in. And it was an immediate situation. Have you ever thought, if you were Elijah, would you want to go first or second? I thought about that as I was kind of through this. I thought, did God tell him to go second? Or would you want to say, I just want to, I just want to smash these guys. I want to get mine on fire. I don't even want to give them a chance. God needs to get in here first God needs to show himself as the great God of heaven. This is going to happen and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to get it done right now. But God's He's control over the immediate things. God allowed Himself to go second to, obviously, we see now that was proven that that that, that the gods of Baal were false. They didn't hear. They didn't respond. They didn't turn up when they were called upon, when their altar was danced upon, when their people cried out, when the people cut themselves. Baal was proven to be a false god. No power at all. God was in control of the immediate situation that Elijah found himself in. God's timing is perfect when it comes to showing his power. You know, God is never controlled by the timetable of man. God isn't controlled just because we want something to happen. Doesn't mean God's going to respond exactly the way we on the way we want it. In this situation, what Elijah was doing was exactly what God wanted and God did turn up at the right appointed time. But what about you? As God weaves you through this life and you get to see things or, or you think you want things or you think you need things or you think you're sure God wants you to do something and yet we want it now. We want it our way. We want it in our terms. But God is in control of it all. He doesn't respond just because we want it. And even if he says, I am going to do this with you, it may not be right now. It may be in years to come. It may be tomorrow. It may be today. But God is not controlled by the timetable of man. God's not limited by the perceptions of man. God doesn't have to fit into our finite thinking. Isn't it true we conjure up all sorts of things of what we think God should do with us? the way things, our church should go, or the way our jobs or our businesses should go. We, we work these things out because God's given us the ability to do that. But then we put God in a, in a little box and we say, God, this is what I want you to do. But God's in control of it all. He doesn't have to listen to us. He does what he wants and he understands where you're exactly at because he's the God, has power over the immediate circumstances of life. And I want, you, I want to encourage you that even when you're going through some hard things and tough things and you're just unsure, understand that God is right there and understand that God does know how you're feeling and that God does know what you're going through even when it looks like he doesn't. God does. God's proven he is a God and he has power over the immediate things of life. What is it that you're going through right now that you're facing, that you're struggling with? God has power over it. Told you I'd be quick tonight. And last one God has power over the internal, or power of the internal. And what I mean by this is I think about what Elijah did, and I think about me. And I think if God asked me to do what he did, I don't think I could. You think about it. God says, Paul, I want you to build an altar. We're not going to light it. In front of 450 people, or obviously 450 of those who are in opposition to me and the whole church here. And I say to you guys, God wants me to build an altar and I'm going to call God to burn it. You'd be thinking, man, you need to be stoned, mister. You're crazy. God wouldn't do that. But something... God was working on the inside of Elijah to give him enough faith to say, this is what God wants me to do. Even though it sounds absurd, even though it sounds impossible, but this is what God wants me to do. And God worked, has power over the internal parts of our lives where we go, okay, God, if that's what I'm supposed to do, I don't understand it all, but Elijah said, I'm going to go and do that. And Elijah put steps in place and Elijah became very confident in the end that God was going to do something, especially when he mocked the others. Can you imagine that? Mocking the others, in your, whether in your human thinking, I hope this works for me, because I'm going to look pretty stupid if it doesn't. That's what I would think. I think, man, what, what, why would God want me to do this? I'm going to look like a, a fool for doing this. But God helps put action to our, into faith. Elijah spoke up without being scared of the others. I think about Daniel. When he, was, uh, when he was told not to pray three times a day like he normally did. Something inside, God had an internal working in him that said, I have power over everything. Power enough that you can be confident in me. And the Bible in Daniel tells us that Daniel continued to pray three times a day, even though it was against the law now to do it. And God used him and God blessed him. God has power over the internal things. I think about David when he stepped forth in the presence of Goliath, another almost seemingly impossible thing. There's a feat that that needs to be dealt with and I believe God will help me in it and although it's an impossible thing seemingly, I'm going to fight a giant and I'm not going to take any weapons out except a sling and some stones. I can't take the armour, I can't take the sword because I haven't tested it and tried it but I believe God will help me and for me, if it was me, I'd be just cowering behind the rocks with all the other army men of Israel. If it was me. But something in David, God started to work, and God said, David, you can do this. And God had power over the internal fears and torments of Daniel, of David, of Elijah, of many men throughout the Bible, many men throughout history who, who went to the mission field and, and sacrificed their lives and died without without fear, who were burnt at the stake. who who were killed in the line of serving Jesus Christ, but God did something in those men because God had power over their internal fears. It's scary doing things for for the Lord Jesus Christ. But God can have, God does have power over that if we allow him. God will put action to our faith. In 1 Kings 18 and verse 39... Remember I said there was a whole reason why God was doing this? It wasn't just to show I'm better than you. There was a whole reason behind it. There was a purpose that God was trying to change the internal mindset or the internal heart of those that were there. Let's have a look at verse 39. After all this, when the people saw it, something happened. God did a change of heart. They fell on their faces and they said... Did they say, oh, Baal, we still believe in you? We still trust you? No. The Bible says the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And when I picture that, I kind of see these people really bowing down and they're crying, God, you're real. God, you're true. God, it's really you. Why did we doubt God? You're, you're the real God. That was the whole purpose. God had power over the internal things of man. And God works in your life because He wants to change you. People were moved to believe when God showed His power. They confessed Him as the true God. I wonder what God might need to do to take you to the next step in your life. I wonder what God may need to do to work the internal parts of you to get you to take another step of faith. I wonder what God might need to do internally within in our church to help it grow to another level. God is the true God. If we believe this passage, I mean, I, I read it and I, I don't know about you, but especially with stories and stuff, I picture things that go on and try to imagine what it would be like and maybe even pick, put myself in that and think, I wonder what I would do in that situation. Oh, I couldn't be like a Lord. I, I would run and hide. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do what he's done. But God is working and God has power over all those things. And that's an exciting passage. That's just one of many. How God works and works and works. We need to take the heart, we need to take to heart the same heart that Elijah had and, and served and witnessed with great power. And God revealed. To Elijah and the people around that he was in control and he was the true God and powerful and I want to encourage you and, and testify today that that same God of 1 Kings 18 is the same God that's here tonight, that dwells within the hearts of, of you if you know Jesus as your Saviour. If you don't know Jesus as your Saviour then you don't know that real power. You can only testify of the storms and and the wind and the floods and the cyclones and the fires and the and the tsunamis. That's what you can testify to. You can't testify of the life-changing power that God gives at salvation. And I would encourage if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, now is the perfect time to trust Christ because your life will be changed. God now takes a hold of your life and sets you on a journey to make you more like Him. And it may sound scary, it may sound different, it may sound, what is this? I don't understand it all. But God wants to take you on that journey with you. God wants to make you a different person if you will allow him. The very God of heaven in uh, 1 Kings 18 is the same God that we have today. And I hope you trust him for your salvation, but I hope you trust him for your next steps of this life. The future weeks, days, months, and years to come, I hope you allow God, to, you trust him to work and guide and bring across your path, whether it's good or bad things, because ultimately God doesn't do it just to be mean. He does it because it's working you to the place where he wants you to be. And Elijah had to go through some stuff there that was like, Wow that God revealed his great power through the working of Elijah. I wonder this year, 2019, what God might reveal through your life if you allow him to. Well, guys, church, thank you so much for coming tonight. I'm going to pray. We're going to ask God to use what's been said. not going to have a closing song. I'm not going to have an invitation. We're going to pray, and then uh, we will be dismissed. So thank you for listening. I hope that was a blessing to you. And right on, when it took an, an hour, I think, for whole service, praise the Lord. Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your goodness. I really appreciate who you are. Thank you for your power that was shown so abundantly in 1 Kings 18. Please use the things that have been said tonight, the verses we looked at. Um, not what I've said, but what the Bible says. May you use that this week? to encourage somebody, to challenge. And Lord, I really pray if there's anyone that's not saved here tonight that would like to know how they can become a Christian and experience the real power of God, then I pray that they would be bold enough and brave enough to take that step just to ask. And I believe, Lord, you will save them. Please bless this week again. We pray for our pastor, for Cassie, Pastor Shemish and, and Mrs. Shemish. We pray that you would please help them. Use them, especially in this concentrated time over this weekend. And in the days to come, please help them as, as, as they preach, as they teach, um, as they try to be a blessing. I pray that you'll bless them and help them. And we commit them to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You're dismissed. Enjoy. Come back Wednesday night. Um,